Happy, Happy New, New Year! Year! Alright, our first episode of the year, guys. I'm excited for this one. We have a special guest, too. Before we get into that, let's play our audio intro song. Your booty go ba ba ba. I like it like that. I like it like that. She like it like that. She like it like what? She like it like that. She like it like that. She like it like that. She like it like what? She like it like that. All right. Catchy. Is it? You like it? Well, let me introduce our guest first. He is a journalist at a reputable news channel. He's also a games writer at a magazine. Movies as well, I think you said. Movies as well. Passively, that's what I remembered. <laughs> He's verified on Twitter. Damn. And John Cena follows him. Holy so shit. So that's a cool fact. <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of a, kind of a high bar. <laughs> low bar at the same time. Welcome <laughs> to the show, Fumet. Thank you so much for having Cheers, me. Cheers, bro. And a happy new year to you. Happy new year, too. Cheers, guys. Cheers. 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 And we have our usual suspects here. We're all on coffee right now. Yeah. Not alcohol, yeah. We woke up at like 9 a.m. for this. (laughs) We have Anil, Monarch, Sid, and Deep. Our whole team is here. This one, I'm excited for this one. So, as I said, he's a journalist. The first thing I want to know is your journey. You know, when I really get, get into that, I know from our research that you were chefing it up first and now then you switched over to journalism so how did that happen yeah it's a little bit of a weird turnaround right how does one go from like that workplace to another workplace yeah. right it's a little bit of a loaded question but uh i guess it started from when i thought i wasn't really good at anything growing up so i cracked an egg at some point and i thought mm-hmm. oh my god i can do that so i guess that's the one actionable thing i turned into a career so i think um when i was in high school that was when like um, yeah, I signed up for those hospitality classes and, um, yeah, there was a great guy there, a great teacher there who kind of took me under his wing because mm-hmm. uh, he really wanted to spruce up the, um, cafeteria and like the lunch scene at school. Right. So, you know, I was kind of learning through all that and also helping out with the, like a lot of the dishes there, which is right. how I kind of picked up on a lot of that cooking. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of like that gathering, a lot of like just the organizational skills and stuff like that. Right. But, uh, mainly but- that. Uh, because I thought I was good at cracking an egg, right? My interest didn't really go into like, uh, into like that deep passion of like you know being a part of people's lives with food. At least that's what I told mm-hmm. myself, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I learned that during like high school for a good like three four years, and then after that, uh, when we had to go through that one phase where like we had to figure out what we're doing for the rest of our lives, right? We're sitting yeah. with a guidance counselor, right? There's a little bit of pressure there, and obviously, like, I barreled from, like, the kitchens to more kitchens, so I studied over at uh, George Brown College, and I did the culinary management program, right? It's two years, but it's kind of a way to bring things full circle, right? right? And so, um, after that, I kind of realized, right, I that's not what I wanted to do. Mm. So, at that point, I remember in high school, on my way out, I kind of built a little back door for myself where I took a broadcasting course too. And it's so funny, like a lot of these courses that you take in high school, they seem small or niche or a hobby mm, course, but yeah. they have a way of burrowing deep into your brain and you're still consistently mm. thinking about that. So that kind of was my backup, right? And that 
yeah, like obviously it turned out to be great. And what that broadcasting course was great. It was encouraging. You know, I was able to like make a lot of magic without like, you know, being in front of hot stoves all the time yeah. or like, you know, having the change in the chef whites and a lot of other little nuanced things that come with like mm -hmm. gathering and producing, right? You could do that from a control room with, uh, I guess like less, uh, I'm not gonna say less effort, it's not fair, but there was a, a it was definitely a lot more comfortable for mm. my end, right? So I like the production. I like being a presenter. I like the building a voice. And obviously, like, you know, getting to do the announcements on TV in high school was a pretty nice bonus, too. So it really gravitated to me. So, you know, when I had that point in, a, like, this was, like, almost, like, five years into, like, being in the kitchens that I didn't want to do this anymore, right? right. So we, I think if you work a job, you don't like long enough. And that's yeah. not to say that... You know, working in the kitchen is a bad job at all. No, it's not fair for everyone to say. But uh, for me, I kind of hit that point where I'm like, where do I go from here, right? Like for the first time, you know, I'm kind of my foot's out in the open and like I could go anywhere, right? But then I kind of thought, what's the second thing that I might have liked? So mm -hmm. yeah, having been in the kitchens for five years, I thought more and more about broadcasting okay. and journalism because uh, there is that kind of similar like gathering type thing except mm. instead of being in like that metal box of the kitchen you get to do a lot of your work outside and you get to yeah. see the world in your own way and i was right. always curious growing up so i like to live vicariously through people yeah. which is exactly what i do when i meet all sorts of people in my work so i really gravitated towards that and so that's where that weird pivot came mm. and uh from the kitchens to the newsroom i literally was still at george brown but I joined the school paper there. I thought that was a great start, maybe be a food writer, right? So I'm kind of gradually going from food and into journalism through that, and then hoping to just kill off that food part and go into journalism, which totally worked, by the way, because it's kind of like a pivot point. Uh, mm -hmm. So I joined the school paper, I was a food writer, but it was less about talking about the food and more about like learning how to write for yeah. um, you know short copy, mm -hmm. learning how to interview people, uh, and then learning how to like pretty much like be out in public and also uh, just know how to conduct yourself and mm -hmm. uh, all sorts of little things with uh, journalism too cool. so a lot of the writing gathering I realized it was a lot like cooking in a lot of different ways yeah. but mm -hmm. except I'm not walking into like this like um, this walk-in freezer every day come out empty-handed that's <laughs> yeah. like a huge nightmare for the kitchen yeah. if you so have to look for something so there's a kid in high school right now and he wants to get into this business or this field I guess, what are some of the key things to kind of prepare yourself? And also, how do you get into this field? Well, right. definitely keep your interest open, right? Like if you kind of think, oh, I'm going to be this one thing for the rest of my life. Usually that doesn't end well. Yeah, of course. So it's nice to have like a different variety of options and experiences you can have in high school. Yeah. So always keep your mind open to like, you know, turning your hobbies into work. Obviously, as like my, as Joker said, if you're good at something, never do it for free. So it's um, one of those things where if you do go into sports, if you do go into graphic design, if you do go into like cooking or even like uh, even speaking or like clipping radios or doing podcasts in high school, right? Then it's like, hey, like you never know when that'll come back to you in high school, right? So keep your options open. People think there's that pressure where, you know, you have to figure out the kind of person you are as soon as you get out of school. And wow, like in some sense, stay out of trouble, right? Uh, some people have that um, one track mind where as soon as they spend their whole lives towards this one career and I guess like things don't work out right it's yeah. like 
oh my god, kind of hit a little bit of an existential crisis, and you're like, where do I go from here? Because you built your, you kind of spent a lot of your identity on that, but that's why it helps to have like, you know, broadened horizons, and also like uh, if you're in high school as well, that's your hotbed to yeah. like go back in time and like kind of figure out, hey, if this doesn't work, what else could work? So always having a backup was something that was ingrained in me too. Now to kind of talk, yeah, so specifically to a journalism, how do you get into that? Because I know it's like yeah. it's a very rare. Um, I guess career, career to, yeah, feel to get into. So I'm not. I'm I'll, just I'll curious. Tell you, yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely an acquired taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like you go from reading the news to being the one who's kind of like you know hustling beyond the ground and making yeah. that right. So going back into that kind of like pivot point I was yeah. talking about, right? Yeah. I joined the uh, school paper from Chef School, right? Because they had yeah. it, right? So is there like certain courses or certain like? I literally just joined the school colleges? paper. I walked in the office. Wow. Yeah. And I said, hey, like, I'm very interested in writing. I like to explore my horizons. Right. And I have a background in food, wondering if we can put that to work. So it's really just a matter of asking. I guess, I guess just to kind of add on to that. So is there like, well, while you were kind of transitioning, right, when you were doing that pivot, was there certain uh, colleges or universities that you were looking at? Any specific programs or like, were you debating between anything? Oh, yeah. While I was at the school paper, I'm like, hey, is this something that maybe I could keep on learning? Because I was kind of sussing things out, doing that for three months, right? So right. once you're kind of at that point, I liked it enough to say, hey, I want to keep learning this, right? I think I can learn the actual hard and practical skills at school. So I applied for Humber College. Okay. And of course, uh, that was when uh, it was a lot more formal. And because I already graduated from culinary management the first time, finished that degree, always finish what you start. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, that was what gave me the um, the very easier mm -hmm. in into George Brown, uh, right. from George Brown to Humber, and Humber had that uh, at the time it was a relatively new program. It was up for a few years, bachelor journalism, four years, and you get like university level credentials. Oh, cool. yeah. So I thought that was my way in from a college background. So go go from there. That's pretty much the formal way of doing it. Yeah, in so many ways, where like you learn how to do a job by actually taking go to school take the program right this yeah. was the fundamental part for how i went in journalism yeah. so okay. obviously like uh going to humber right like uh i don't need to sell every college or university program out there but obviously they have a lot of people who worked in the industry already and they're pretty much like ending their careers by teaching all of it to you so mm -hmm. i got a lot of that seeped through yeah. a lot of wonderful uh, journalist teachers there, you know, from mainly, mostly from CBC, you know, uh, Global, Toronto Star. So like, you know, I was learning all the fundamentals on like how to produce for radio, uh, writing, and also video as well. So does it, so is, three is there co-ops or like kind of internships that you can do exactly. while you're there? Yeah. Uh, is that something you could do? On technicality, on technic, on technicality, when universities and colleges say they're the number one employer, that's because they all have an internship program in there, so you can't really graduate without having that, yeah. like, yeah, at least fun. working in yeah. the field for a little bit. So I really got that. Especially in this field, you, I think you have to get your, like, you have to get some, like, uh, practical experience and just be in front of the camera or a mic, you know, talk to oh, people. Yeah. And, yeah. Really and all, yeah, all level with you, man. Like, honestly, it's, uh, like I said, if you do a job that you don't like long enough you're gonna know what you really want to do so going into yeah. after five years of like being a chef i'm like i didn't want to do that anymore i thought harder and harder about broadcasting and obviously like being a personality being a warm presence for people every day and telling people what's going on in the world mm -hmm. right so that's why that's what drives me so i thought about that going in day one into journalism school as soon as i joined i'm like this is 
something I am not going to waste. This is definitely something yeah. I got to make the most out of, right? Mm-hmm. So I wasted no time just soaking in everything, all the skills and stuff, and kind of like, you know, acting like I was already, like, uh, I was already like in the job so that's how i was conducting my school assignments and stuff and we went out to talk to people and do stories for a web radio and tv as well so i kind of it was less of a fake it as you make it thing but learn it until you make it thing so i learned way more outside of the classroom than i did in the uh classroom actually because you'll learn okay the fundamentals right here's how you write here's how you clip here's how you voice here's how you uh you know uh interview someone here's how you ask the right questions that's the class, right? My pivot point was when I took these, right? And I'm like, I'm not going to wait five years until I'm in my first newsroom to use yeah, these skills. Yeah. So guess what just, I did? Just speaking on that, yeah. did you do any specific internships or co-ops while you were in your program? I did. Yeah. So um, I joined I joined that school paper, right? Yeah. And practice, practical skills all came together there. And that's why I learned so much outside of the the classroom right and that was such an important thing for me it got me my first job writing uh, just a couple of stories in Humber College and then from there right that's how you get to your employers first Mm. do what you can in school and your employers will see that it has if you work hard enough in school it'll seep into the workforce (laughs) you don't have to wait until that door opens so those internships came a lot easier because I you know I took on those extra curriculums. Yes, right? Join the school paper, and that's like hard stuff you can put yeah. in your portfolio. Yeah. That's super so cool to know, yeah. Everything has a way of like tying together like that. So if you keep on doubling down your hobby, right? Yeah. It's gonna find a way to be sure. marketable. But so if you're a kid yeah. in high school and you wanna get into journalism, you gotta listen to this part, this part <laughs> of the podcast. Uh, but yeah, I so- I have a quick question actually. Um, a lot of journalism is writing and you know communicating where did your journey start with that? Were you inspired by something in your childhood? Did you like to do short stories? How did you get into the writing? Yeah, you know what? Um, I owe a lot of like uh, my childhood to journalism and watching the TV news all the time. Because when I was born, I was at home a lot, right? So yeah. uh, my parents did have a habit of like just staying at home a lot, even yeah. decades before the pandemic. Because uh, you know my parents were mostly working, and you know they would just wanted to take a break when they came back home. So. Mostly, like, we weren't the type of family to go out a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that didn't really sit well with me because I was so curious as to what was going on outside of the walls of my house, right? So I was always curious about how the world worked and what thi- my reality was like outside of the front door. So when my mom turned on, like, uh, this local uh, Chinese TV station in Markham, Fairchild TV, uh you know, they were kind of my window into the world. I got to see like, you know, city streets. I got to see events. I got to see like protests, parades, like life literally writing itself on the TV. And that was my only way of seeing the world. So I got so fascinated, like keeping my eyes glued on that TV every like six o'clock, seven o'clock when my mom was like tuning in. So, um, yeah, I never really forgot about like the, the reporter's face or the anchor's face because they kind of owe it to them to tell me. Yeah what's going on in the world which is why like i've always had this inherent attachment Mm -hmm. to news and i do owe a lot of like what i do now to that and that kind of curiosity right just on that like how do you even like go about scouting your news for example do you have people like on like you know just all around calling you like hey there's something happened here 
or are you just like on Google News or something mm-hmm. like that to like scout for like topics that you want to talk about? Well, yeah, obviously, like I have to read the news as right. much as I can and follow up on current affairs, right? Yeah. And um, we find ways to localize that. So okay. uh, with the work I do in like a couple of newsrooms across the Ontario, it's like to generate ideas, we kind of look at uh, different changes that could be happening. The world's a changing place that people get left Fair. behind all the time, which mm-hmm. is what where we come in to kind of make these voices represented and heard. Yeah. So it could be as simple as like walking down the street and someone can't access Wheeltrans because um, maybe the schedule's weird or something, right? Okay. So observations like that, or someone didn't get their garbage on Thursday and it's been happening for months on end. Or I'm, I'm speaking in a lot of anecdotes here, but um, there was one I did where um, it was as simple as going to the gym figuring out why people nobody was yeah. really around wow. and kind of nice. just having a story to tell by going to different uh, gym owners and talking to them about like um, what's going on how do you kind of keep your uh, new year's resolution going so there's a kind of a story in everything i mean not to be curious yeah. yeah and obviously like with crime stories and breaking news and police scandals yeah. right we will get those like okay. piecemeal and depending on where you're at it'll happen all the time so you could have your own beat by being a crime reporter but if you have your own observations or ideas, right, yeah. it is possible to turn those ideas into life. So half the time, right, most yeah. of the time, actually, uh, journalists are creating their own ideas or they're mm-hmm. creating current affairs out of, like, things no, that they might have noticed that no one else did, right? right? Like, have you ever had a shower thought yeah. <laughs> by yourself or, like, you're, you're, it's late at night and you're sleeping and you're staring at the ceiling and suddenly out of nowhere something keeps you up at night like oh my god like what if inflation just keeps inflating or like oh my gosh like what if like a visual snow is like a thing like you just have these shower thoughts right Mm -hmm. well we kind of dare ourselves to uh learn more about that through a lot of people so that's when we'll phone up experts we'll talk to people who might be uh working on that or like uh you know, that's how we do our journalism. We gather, we tell stories, and we foster that conversation that's for it. a lot of people in current affairs. So that's how we were able to keep up with the times yeah. as we're writing it. So <laughs> it's kind of a really cool in that sense. But that's how we come up with our ideas. That's Either awesome. things happen to us or we yeah. notice things that, that, you know, people are interested in talking about or right. some people have been waiting their whole lives to tell us. Right so part of the ideas come mm-hmm. from people in, in need or in trouble. And there are right, a lot of right. people who might have had enough at one point so they want to reach out to make their voices heard because right. like i said the world's a changing place and mm. there's nothing that makes me more upset than seeing people get left behind or slipping yeah. through the yeah. cracks which is a huge hotbed for ideas too there's unfortunately always going to be someone in need yeah and, so. and you know like I'm, just to add on to that like i'm very thankful that we live in canada because we have access to this right yeah there's other parts of the world that like journalists or media telecommunication companies in general, like yeah. they turn a blind eye, right? Yeah. Like television, media, because it's so biased, right? They're like, yeah. we don't want to show that side of the hundred percent. So exactly. So 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 the fact in Canada, you know, like uh, or like more of a Western society, it's it's nice that you know a normal person can actually pick up the phone, yeah, call a reporter or call their local like have their voice heard and have yeah. their voice heard, mm-hmm. right? put a highlight to like what is being shown yeah, up for there. sure so i mean i like to think that society is built up i know we're going into this but a uh, society is kind of uh, held together by different pillars right and i like to, always like to think that uh journalism and access to free information yeah, public information and public broadcasting is one of them because it really does get a chance not only to hold people accountable but mm. if something's happening outside your window someone needs to tell you for sure right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
So oh, this um, is great. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, uh, I know it's been a long-winded story of yeah, how no, I got no, from no, cooking to journalism. Cool. But it's cool. yeah, going back into um, yeah, just like Humber College, I did end up getting the attention of uh, a few outlets here, and I was very lucky to get a job before I graduated, which was kind of my goal in the beginning. Awesome. I'm like, I'm not gonna wait four years study and then get a job. It's like I I love this enough to just start working right away while learning. And I think there was a way I was able to make that work by uh, literally punching my way through the industry. Like I worked so hard in the school paper and I know that like I, it wasn't paid, but I spent a majority of my time just like studying. And then after that, maybe going to like a function at like school or something and cover that, right? Just to really learn the skills. So then I was able to like act like, you know, I was working every day while studying. That was the effect, right? But then like in third year when the internships came, right, I was uh, lucky enough to, uh, so I tried to apply for an internship at uh, a company I really wanted to work at, but that didn't work out. And I thought, oh my gosh, like went back to that mindset where I'm like, I worked so hard, I really thought I could get whatever I wanted, but it was a very misguided thought, right? And we're not entitled to anything. Nobody owes us anything, mm -hmm. right? And even if we work hard towards something, it might not work out at the end. But that's also, that's also something that really helped me too because maybe I couldn't join that company I wanted at the time because I wasn't mature enough, right? So I got my maturity somewhere else and that was when I was able to apply for other newsrooms, right? So I was able to get like three newsrooms uh, in my internships. So uh, uh, 680 News was for radio, Global News was for TV and I was lucky enough to do both uh, radio and TV and learn both of those trades while I was doing my internship, right? And that was when mm. like, I really got out there and a lot of the things I've learned and those hard skills that I've tried to hone like a sharp knife in school really did click with a lot of people in the newsroom. They're like, um, whenever they were showing me something, right? And I do it, right? They kind of reinforced and validated me. They're like, yeah, that's how you, ex that's exactly how you clip a video. That's exactly the right questions you use. Hey, this copy that you wrote, great job. You know, the structure is all there. And it all came from like, me wanting to keep those practical skills going before I entered the workforce. So it's one of those things where if you work hard enough and then you join the workforce, right? It might feel like routine for you. The first day might feel like Tuesday for you. So that was the kind of effect. So in some ways, if you work hard enough, it will work out, right? You might not get the job, but once you do, right? It all, everything will just fall into place. So it did when I ended up, uh, yeah, working at like 680 News and Global News, which was a real crash course for both of them, right? And at the end of it, it's like, instead of graduating with like one internship, no, the effect really was. I graduated George, uh, not just George Brown College, but also Humber with like a handful of like different internships yeah, already in the belt. Yeah. And that, that's, that's, that's huge, yeah. right? Because when you are stepping outside of university, those experiences, like you said, like university joining clubs or joining, you know, like the school paper in your case, like that really helps you transition exactly. into yeah. the real life workforce. It's, right? it's almost like, yeah, every opportunity that you do, always think, okay, like, is in what way is this going to push me forward? Mm -hmm. So that's how I kind of went into like the school paper, like all these like yeah. side yeah, yeah. gigs, writing for Humber's Magazine and like. Um, all these different newsrooms I joined for internships too. It's like, how does this push me forward? If it doesn't do that, right? Then like, what so else do I gain point. out of it, right? How is this gonna get to where I want? Yeah. So yeah, for sure. 
Real mean, real mean zone. I like that yeah. in every um, field now. Like yeah. having a co-op internship experience during school is very key now. Like yeah. I know back in the day, people used to aim for bigger names of school, and there are not many schools with like a lot of co-ops back in the day. But now, when like I have a cousin who wanted to, you know, get into universities now, like my biggest advice to him was find something that has a co-op internship right sure. in your program because that's gonna help you a lot, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's like a transition that happened over from our at least our generation, right? Yeah. Where we started looking at that as a really uh, crucial thing to decide what university to go to, right? I think so, if you look at it from an employer perspective too, yeah. right? So there's like so much talent that's out there, right? Sure. And nowadays, like university doesn't even matter. Like you can be going to the most A-list university, mm-hmm. but at the end of it, like as, 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 as a student that's coming out of university, you're competing with thousands of other people, right? So of course. from an employer perspective, you have to understand like okay what like what makes somebody more unique right and that's where all these experiences come in because those are things that could add value in more of a real life situation yeah oh yeah i hate to say it but you could take a four-year ivy league program for one job and someone who went to college with two years can be living your dream life for sure yeah no I, that's and that's the way it is the way it is but it's also fair at the same time yeah. to each yeah. their own right yeah, yeah. yeah. You kind of have to pivot your own way yeah. into yeah. like you know what you want to do as your end goal um and then like you said right like you there are certain things that you have to do in order to get to the end yeah goal. and i like to think experience outranks everything For sure. right percent experience outranks credentials yeah. at the time it's not based on who you are it's what you can do agreed mm-hmm. yeah agreed. yeah this session was great. I feel like um, the listeners got to learn a lot about journalism. Mm-hmm. How how's news made? That was pretty interesting for me, at least, right? Um, so thank you for that. Thank you for breaking it down for us. We have this really cool game for you. It's called Pick Your Poison. So let's get into that. Let's have some fun with that one, okay? All right. I'm ready I've, to go. I've themed it because um, you know you do write games and uh, movies as well. So yeah, this is more. Based so on in that. my so, long wind of like. You know, in my years-long writing spree from school to now and going from one newsroom to another to kind of enable that addiction, right? I am also a video game reviewer and a film critic for CG Magazine. So that's pretty much Canada's IGN and it's a wonderful place for ideas to kind of come out. So uh, obviously in my spare time, I played a lot of video games, right? So I, again, found a way to like factor that in and push my journalism skills forward by literally just writing about video games and being a reviewer it's been such an adventure Super cool doing that. when did that start so was it after you started like uh this was in? after i did not get the dream internship ah, so see, at that point i'm comes like oh yeah. my gosh like exactly and it's like things have a way of working out you get more when you think you lost everything yeah but um yeah at that point i'm like oh like because like i didn't get that one big internship right it kind of made up for like three internships basically cool. so uh cg magazine was my third one and that was kind of a side hobby where at first where i was like hey like um you know passively like i'll talk about the gripes i've always had with video games i'll yeah. talk about uh, i've wanted to learn how video games are made i might as well if i'm curious enough i will go straight to the source knock on their door and say hey how does this work because i am yeah. so curious that's so pretty cool that drove me across like a world of video game development. I feel like that's a dream job for Mark as well. <laughs> oh yeah, he's a big gamer too. And Neil, both of you guys are yeah, big gamers. I feel like be, that man. would be. Imagine going to the source and just finding out you would yeah, fucking get horny be. over that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's start this game. All right, so pick your poison. First matchup: Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter. Lord of the Rings. 
Wasted mm. no time there. <laughs> uh, my rationale was that like, yeah. um, I wasn't as, as invested in Harry Potter as okay. other fans. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of a muggle like that, every pun mm-hmm. intended. And you know, there are seven movies to keep up with, and uh, it's uh, very uh, it's very acquired. Like it's got like a center around like you know a lot of children. The stakes really take a while to build up. Lord of the Rings. It's like no, here's a ring. You gotta go all the way to this. <laughs> Like volcano and yeah. drop it, and we'll give you like nine hours to do it with all three movies. And at the same time, the world almost like ends because of that. So I thought that was way more hardcore in terms of the stakes. And I like that journey aspect because mm-hmm. you know, at least in Lord of the Rings, you know, there's a beginning, clear beginning, middle, and an end through the trilogies, right? Yeah. You kind of follow Frodo and like everybody else through that whole process, right? So when you do root for him through everything he goes through, and at the end of it, when he does like spoiler alert you yeah. know that ring into the fires of mount doom it's like he's done it and you feel accomplished having been with them through every step of the way so that's why i feel good about myself every time i rewatch lord of the rings i did it for new years just in time so when it's the nice, clock hit nice. midnight uh, uh what was it sauron exploded so nice. that was when, <laughs> exactly if you watch it at a certain time so i did it at three in the afternoon because it was nine hours so extended editions uh, no, no, just the regular oh, ones. So, at the end of that journey, you feel accomplished. Not only did you watch all nine hours, but you you feel like like you've won, just like Frodo. So that's something I don't get with Harry Potter. Mm. I get it. It's got a lot of uh, obviously like a uh, magic, nice right. characters, and a very very unique like universe, right? But it's not the same as like Lord of the Rings, where um, you have every character to root for and you have like this kind of journey so like i just feel better about myself every time i finish that journey all right let's go around the room and quickly vote on that one what do you guys think me personally harry potter over lord of the rings for some of the same reasons but just for a different property like i just find harry potter magical as fuck i love the like you say the journey from them going from like was it the shire all the way to mount doom yeah. i like the journey of them being dumbass little children to like becoming like the maturity yeah Yeah. that makes sense too yeah Yeah. i really enjoyed that journey for me as a kid when i enjoyed it um i have a quick caveat so that's movies have you read the books uh no okay then i will not continue that question onwards that's all yeah i think i would agree with clement here i think lord of the rings was a better series than harry potter cool just as a kid i loved it for me, Harry Potter, um, only reason because I haven't seen Lord of the Rings, but, well, <laughs> I, 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 but, but I'm not judging, if anything, a plot I twist, I'm saying I am very jealous of you. A lot of people want that first time feeling of right, like, going yes. through all the surprises okay. and learning so the now, characters. Now, now I think you, you met us on everything that happened. I'm actually intrigued now. <laughs> I, might, I might watch it. <laughs> yeah, but right, there's a beginning, yeah. middle, and end, and it, at this point, if you haven't seen it, it's uh, kind of like, yeah. it'll, it'll hit you like a brick wall. But honestly, like, going back to Harry Potter, like... I started watching literally like a couple months yeah. back and then I see the appeal for it, but I couldn't really be like a diehard fan. You know what I mean? Like I, I didn't watch Harry Potter growing up either. But, like I watched it like a couple months ago and I, like, I was like, okay, like I see the appeal, but I'm not a fan. Like, yeah, it you know didn't I mean? just really stick. Right? Yeah. It's more magical when you grow up with it. Yeah, exactly. You see those kids exactly. age with you too. It's like, yeah, but when you're a kid. Yeah. I will say though, in like Harry Potter, you know, it takes it's more meaningful when somebody dies, right? In Lord of the Rings, it's like, oh no, you this orc gets their head cut off, this hobbit gets their head cut off, everybody (laughs) gets their head cut off, and that's what kind of keeps you on your toes all the time because you never know what's gonna happen. So in a lot of ways, if you like Game of Thrones, right, you kind of want to condense that down and like have something more. 
you know, driven in like like fantasy with adult stakes, and a lot of people yeah. are dying. Right? Right. That's not to say okay. Harry Potter doesn't have adult stakes, but it takes a while to get there, right? Yeah. No, Lord of the Rings, you get right to <laughs> it, complete yeah. with like a fire demon, right? Yeah. So it's like uh, that's why I gravitate a lot to the stakes for Lord of the Rings. What about you, B? Uh, I would say Harry Potter as well, just because I think it was like I've, I've seen. I don't think I've seen all of the movies in theaters. I think some of them have been a combination of like DVDs and whatnot. But I have seen like probably three mm-hmm. or four out of the seven or eight that are out there in theaters. So like like you, like you said, right? Like it was kind of during our childhood. Yeah. So it was more like easier to resonate and like you know even in school like there used to be like big hypes over like Harry Potter. I remember like in libraries like there used to be a wait list for for you to like check out like the oh, Harry yeah. Potter books, right? Because like they would have like two across the entire school and like it would be like, I don't know, whatever, two, three hundred kids and they all wanted to like read it, right? So Yeah, like, you were older um, with every installment too. Yeah, so, yeah, so you um, kinda of grew up like Harry in a lot of ways. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but how about you? Oh, you know my answer. I have to say Harry Potter. My girlfriend will kill me if I yeah, do. <laughs> oh, these guys all know. Oh, she's crazy about Harry Potter. Um, so yeah, so I'm I'm gonna say that. So But does a part of you wanna say Lord of the Rings? <laughs> Just Let's not get, get there, trouble. bro. I don't want to get this <laughs> I'm sure if you were tied to a chair having to watch all three movies, yeah. you wouldn't you wouldn't think it's like the worst form of torture there is. Yeah. yeah. I'm just gonna stick to everybody. <laughs> Guys, I don't wanna get in trouble, alright? <laughs> Let's move on to the next. Star Wars or Marvel Universe? Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. I wasted Damn. no time with this because um yeah, no, there's a weird story to this, like all things. And um yeah, I've been watching Star Wars since I was like three years old. So uh, that was when uh, we had the uh, VHS tapes. My dad collected a lot. So uh, we had that VHS player uh, in the house I was growing up in. So because my my dad had to go to work and I loved him so much that I was willing to like, you know, cling onto his legs and not let him leave, right? And this was three-year-old me getting really attached to my dad. So every time he left for work, right? It was hard for him to get out or he was almost late for work because I kept stalling him or like I'm just crying profusely like dad don't go yet right so his way of distracting me was actually getting the um, Star Wars VHS tapes right the original ones unedited um, New Hope Empire Strikes Back Return of the Jedi right and he would just play them on rotation distract me while he kind of slipped away to work so for me that's where I fell in love with like the Star Wars universe because like I said before I was already in that process where I didn't know what reality was like outside home. So like I was living vicariously through the TV. Mm, So that was when Star Wars really fast me into like the wider galaxy, (laughs) meeting all sorts of weird characters that have a story of their own or a lunchbox of their own or a Reddit fan group of their own. (laughs) And then uh, that was when um, there was those elements of fantasy, war, action. It had, it checked all the right boxes for me as an entertainment package the lightsabers just kept my eyes glued to the screen like a moth to a flame yeah and that's why like on all three right you know you do go through like luke's journey and stuff like that so i really like that me developing with them right so you know i was caught in the galaxy far far away a long time ago and i've been following up on all the shows all the games all the media i can name all the lightsaber fights in order you could show me all the lightsaber like hundreds of lightsaber fights that have happened in the franchise and i can order reorder them like oh, a wow. madman wow. wow what's the best franchise lightsabers fight um ooh, ooh. so my latest obsession is ob1 versus darth vader in the series okay. when they finally do it it felt For like a series 
uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series okay. that came out last year. So that was like a UFC fight in the making, a fight <laughs> of the century. And I was all about it. And uh, fun fact, I interviewed the director for that. Oh, no way. Yeah. So, and then, um, yeah, the other best fight would be um, Darth Maul versus yeah. <laughs> Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Because uh, when that happened, not only the soundtrack, but the guy yeah. had a double-ended lightsaber. <laughs> and he was going all out on them. But still, he got his ass whooped by a Padawan. Mm-hmm. So that says a lot. Um, next up would be um, Obi-Wan versus Anakin Skywalker. Episode three on Mustafar. Awesome. Mm. Right? On the when they're fighting on the lava planet, I'm sure people know it. And it was really heartbreaking because like, you know, that's like you pretty much have to kill your own son. It's like, oh my god, that's that's yeah. incredible. So you know, those are the handful of ones, but they're mostly in the prequel sides, right? The so prequel sides really did the lightsaber fight. They they did. And that's what kind of kept you going. It, if anything, you could call them martial arts movies. Yeah, with a lot of politics. So they had a, a lot of that too. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, no, I was obsessed enough to go to Galaxy's Edge this year when I, I did a trip to LA. And so that was when like, I, like one of the best things, as soon as I found out Star Wars Galaxy's Edge existed now, a little bit of background, this is a, a section of uh, Disneyland, all right? That uh, is pretty much like Star Wars land. You know, you're in a different planet called right. Batu. You can drink uh, alien concoctions at the pubs. You can build a lightsaber. You can drive the Millennium Falcon. Every checklist that you want to do, live through the movies. You can do it over there. So as soon as I found that that existed, I'm like, nope, like no other destination in my mind, like uh, final destination in my mind matters, except I need to get myself there right now. Like I need to fly on this planet, take whatever shuttle is available and just go, right? So, you know, like I, I what was is it called so again? happy. So it's Star Wars Galaxy's okay. Edge. So I was so happy enough. So that's, that says a lot about how much of a Star Wars <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, geek I am. Yeah, yeah. Let's quickly go around the uh, the table and just uh, yeah. on this pick your poison. What okay, you so think? for me, it's one hundred percent the MCU. I love Star Wars. I have a very similar relationship with it growing up. But the MCU, those, and I'm specifically to talk about the Infinity Saga. I'm still waiting on the new stuff. But like those 23 ish movies, Avengers came out. I rewatched it. Age of Ultron came out. I rewatched it. Civil War came out, I rewatched it. I've rewatched them all, 22-ish movies, at least each of them, maybe at least three times, all the way through. Some of them I've seen, like, 10 plus. That shit is just crap for me. It's so good. So I will watch the Infinity Saga again from beginning to end right now. If you, you, know, you put me in front of a TV, tie me to a chair, no complaints. I'll agree with the Neil. I like the MCU more. I love Star Wars as a kid as well. I had, like, the lightsaber. used to go around with that. But I haven't really kept up with the new stuff. So, and... Versus Marvel, where I'm keeping up with everything, so I would say Marvel. Okay. Same as to me, Marvel. Like I have to do like a full rundown from like the Phase One to like the Phase Four. I haven't caught up with any stuff yet, but Marvel for me. Yeah, same thing. I think MCU series uh, or the, all the way. Um, I I'm not big into Star Wars, although I did see one movie, uh, but I had no idea of like what context was yeah. going on. So. Yeah, it's, it's very acquired, right? In the yeah. Star Wars movies, you got to remember, the original trilogy came out through, like, the 60s. No, no, the, the, the original trilogy came out through, like, the, uh, you know, the early 80s, right? So mm. at the time, the production value doesn't really click well with a lot of uh, viewers here who are looking for, like, more CGI, yeah. you know, but not just better graphics, cinematography, and things that will really keep your eyes peeled. So back then, like, the original trilogy is something that's more acquired, but... I'm. I will say it's like uh, Star Wars is harder to keep up with only because like okay. you have to go through like 
almost half a century of like stuff <laughs> at this point, right? And the, the MCU, people kind of grew up along with it. It's easy to yeah, follow yeah. with every new installment, right? It's not yeah. like Star Wars where like it's been there, but I got to go back in time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here you're kind of like growing up with like all the superheroes that you kind of stand, yeah, right? So fair. it's its own universe and its own. You're, we're just living in it. Star Wars is kind of like separate from all that, right? But because they're starting to do more, like you said, like more TV shows and they're kind of going into that bigger, their own MCU side of things, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of harder to keep up with too. Yes. You, again, have to go through that hurdle of like traveling back in time, watching like episodes four, five, six, and then before you get caught up. MCU, it's like, you already know because you like were breathing every moment of it. <laughs> Wait, I have a last Star Wars quick question. If you had to do a full nine ep nine episode rewatch, what's your order? Mm, okay, well we are going with the machete order here, okay. ladies and gentlemen. So the machete order, instead of watching it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, right? No, there's a certain plot to it. I'm not going to go into it, but it's like you watch, you start off with a one, two, three, right? Mm -hmm. I'll throw in Rogue One in there because it's Rogue really good. Sick. I'll throw in Rogue One in there. It's worthy, and then so I'll throw in, yeah, just episodes one, two, three, mm -hmm. right? Actually, no, 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 no. Let's rewind a little bit. The machete order is basically um, a more narrative way of, of yeah. doing Star Wars. So you start with the original trilogy, right? You're dropped into this galaxy that's like taken over. You don't know what's going on, right? There's so many things right. being thrown at you, right? Four, five, six. So then um, after you go through that, right? So you watch episode four, then you watch episode five, right? And when that plot twist happens, for a lot of people who haven't seen Star Wars, when that big Shit. plot twist happens, right? Yeah. Um, that's when you kind of go back. It's like, now you got to figure out what happened, why oh, the universe gets so screwed up. One, mm -hmm. two, three, explain that. So then you watch episode four, five, then you go one, two, three, right? Now you're like all caught up with the events. Like it's kind of like the, the prequel trilogies are a big flashback and you're yeah. finally getting into that. So now you're full circle. You're ready for episode six, pretty much the last wow. episode at the time, mm -hmm. right? You're like, now I understand. Now we're ready to go to the last step where mm -hmm. like, you know, right. the galaxy gets saved and stuff. So you watch episode six. Right, and that's pretty much the end of the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, right? You did it in a way where it's like you realize how messed up things were, you understand how messed up things were, right? Narratively, it's just way more exciting, like a flashback type. Everyone knows a good flashback. So then you kind of you're 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 like Luke, right? You, now you understand. You're going through the final step with him in Episode Six. Galaxy gets saved. Spoiler alert. And then that's when you do the sequel trilogy, right? Like totally leave that kind of world behind for a little bit. Yeah and you start fresh. So, Force Awakens, Episode 7, Last Jedi, Episode 8, and then uh, Rise of Skywalker, Episode 9. So, it's like, it's a very clean way of doing it, but you'll you'll remember it a lot better. It's an interesting like order. It's very unconventional. That's the machete way of doing it. What about you, Obi? Um, MCU for me as well. Um, yeah. I don't know, just both of them, I tip my toes in it, both of them, but not like crazy. Like, I haven't watched all of it, both sides, so I would say MCU for me at least. Um, next one, The Office or Friends? Ooh, I'll have to say The Office. Ooh. I'll have to say The Office. I mean, these are both niche shows too. I personally haven't seen Friends, right? And that's completely fine, right? I It's an acquired thing. It's dated. It's almost 30 years old now. Yeah. It's the first episode. But I did grow up with like uh, chunks of The Office when it was like airing on, on TV. So mm -hmm. there's that. And the inside jokes are just way more chaotic too. Like everyone's so <laughs> passive aggressive. At the office, I love Dwight because he is just like, uh, 
Like on a whole no, other level, right? <laughs> and it's funny, like underneath all the professional shades in every different episode, you'll see like the weirdest sides of yeah. each of the cast, right? And like the show has a way of bringing out like just how great the uh, the workplace comedy can be. I'm pretty sure it like helped like pioneer the franchise too. So, and like Steve Carell is like a national treasure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he absolutely knows how to run an office. Well, his, so, his yeah, like a lot of bosses stand up. His expressions, the stuff he says, like his timing is just impeccable. Like, yeah. yeah. To me. And that's literally what makes the show. Like I remember, mm-hmm. I, I think towards the end, like they, they had a disagreement where I think the office went on NBC and then there was some contract issues. So I think he wasn't there for like the last season or two last seasons. two seasons yeah yeah, yeah. so like you could kind of see and like kind of tell the tone where it kind of like dies down a little bit right before it would yeah. become like seasons one to five um but it was nice that they brought him back for like you know the finale or, or whatnot but they uh, had to yeah they had yeah, to yeah, so yeah. Exactly. Yes, Michael. yeah his timing was amazing yeah dude it was so just crazy. next level yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah now my favorite bits i will have to say are like um asian asian gym Right, <laughs> gaslighting Dwight. There is um the toast. I think the burnt toast in the oven. And everyone thought oh, there was a wow. fire, oh, yeah, and yeah, everyone yeah, was yeah. absolutely freaking out. Like Michael was like, "Everyone, calm down!" And then he just runs out the door. <laughs> and then um, there's another one where um, Dwight was hiding weapons all over yeah. the yeah, office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dwight is and every time one. he uncovers one, he just like he's unapologetic about it, and that was the greatest <laughs> yeah. thing ever. So. Uh, those are and Threat Level Midnight is my favorite action movie of all time. So like we had like um you know like Michael Scott trying to beat like James Bond and he films <laughs> like the cringiest like yeah. twenty minute thing which is the full thing's on YouTube. Uh, if you want to waste twenty minutes of your life, go watch that. But that was when um I think uh, Jim was also Golden Face. So like he was sitting there with a gun and guess what? Years later, he's Jack Ryan now. <laughs> Nothing was the same ever since uh, Jim left the office. <laughs> Yeah, what about you, Me, uh, definitely The Office. I mean, there's so much I could say. I'm going to wow. plug our sitcom episode because if you really yeah. want to get into it, we kind of fight a bit about it there. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I love The Office. Friends is, it had its time, it had its place. I think I've moved past it. Nice. I loved it when I watched it. I don't regret ever watching it, but The Office, in my opinion, is just better. I completely agree. I, I love know. The Office. Too. No, I would say Friends. Hold like, up. I remember in our I episode, remember, yeah. you guys <laughs> freaking voted for Friends, and I was the only one rooting for The Office to win no, it all. No, the Friends got kicked out Earlier. Did it? Yeah. Oh, okay. This was a round robin, I remember. Yeah. Like where, yeah. where there was a, I think a, dude, a we did a bracket. Yeah. Of all yeah. the sitcoms, and they were like, oh, like a huge good. competition bracket, right? Yeah. yeah. This is what we do on the that show. We, a new guest that shows up, they break track. cycles. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we do. Yeah. We we just broke the friend cycle for the office. So so office for you. Yeah. Office, office for you. Friends for me. I I like watched Friends more than Office. Like there's time where I exclusively watched was watching um the Friends. So like. So that's for me. Yeah. Office for me. Uh, by the time I got into Friends, I think they took it off Netflix. So yeah. unfortunately, I, I didn't Dude, get to, to watch that. The Office. Um, yeah. But The Office for sure, hands down, man. Like that's Super probably funny. one of the most greatest shows. Dude, even you know it's more funny. There's like an Indian version of it too. Yeah. There's oh like yeah, a, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. It's hilarious. They're just basically it's the same script, everything. It's just the characters are more. It's more just like yeah, all these bozos yeah, yeah, living yeah. together are kind of just hanging out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. More of but it, it's but like, it was, like the way they dress up. Like it's similar the behavior and stuff like that too. So like really over. Are we talking over the top? Yeah. 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 
But yeah, it, like, they're still playing the, the same characters yeah, though. Yeah. So like, it's, that's like, really for cool. instance, like Dwight, like it'll be in the same getup, like the glasses, like pretty much everything is like, yeah. very similar. Yeah. Oh, okay. Next one: Fast and Furious or Mission Impossible? Ooh, now that is a tricky one. But I'm a big Tom Cruise fan only because he's committed. Though. I respect. Yeah. <laughs> I respect a fifty-year-old man yeah. who does his own stunts yeah. and thinks about the audience first in every shot of the camera oh, so yeah. i respect the guy who loves cinema enough to save it during the pandemic which is why i think like uh he has a real way of like making sure like uh the person sitting you sitting in the theater room has a good time so i like a guy who's committed like that so yeah. that's why the mission impossible movies have that value because everything is meaningful every punch has a meaning every like stunt has a meaning obviously this mm. guy puts his life on the line for it and it's less people are smarter now going into these movies thinking it's less about the plot and more about what this madman does oh, for entertainment right oh, yeah. and that's something you don't get out of the fast and furious movies where like yeah. they got cars they got family they got a lot of people right and i do dig this franchise right but that authenticity of Mission Impossible throughout every action mm. scene just makes everything like uh, the real stakes kind of like mix in with like the movie stakes, and that's why it really does live up to his name. Like every like the production value just absolutely like blows my mind. Like it's like the action movie. Yeah. The the definitive set of action movies, mm -hmm. at least like up until like four, five, six, and then now like. Which one's your seven. favorite? Um, I would say it's a little bit of a slippery slope, but Ghost Protocol has to be my favorite one. Ooh. Only because like they're on the run and like they, uh, they yeah. Not only are they on the run, but they do a lot more with less in that one. In like five and six, right? Like you know they uh, got all these like fast cars. They got more gadgets. You know they can get the job done, right? But um, the stunt of like climbing the Burj Khalifa. Uh, absolutely yeah, 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 yeah. and when he looks behind him and I saw I was lucky enough to see this in IMAX where like we're over his shoulder he turns around there's like that giant sandstorm coming at you that was such a great oh, action yeah. set piece and then afterwards they have a whole chase throughout like Dubai which was probably one of my favorite things and yeah just uh, one of my favorite stunts from that movie like just uh, yeah Ghost Protocol has to be up there alright so Mission Impossible v Fast Furious Okay, for me, I love Fast and Furious up until like Fast Five, and I don't give a I fuck. I, I don't care at all after that. I was gonna say, yeah, uh, so, I agree with that. And Mission Impossible is just consistently good all the way through, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. When you see the action Madman, I like the plots. I like how they do have some self-referential callbacks. And if you watch them beginning to end, there is some nice tie into each other, and the characters are so good. I just find Mission Impossible so much better all the way through. Also, everyone in Fast and Furious can't fucking die anymore, so who cares? Mm -hmm. Like, they just start chucking them into space, put them in submarines. You think he's dead? He fell down in the construction building? No, he's alive! Yeah. Yeah. Shows up at the family barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't fuck with that anymore. I'm done. I agree with Anil. Um, I think uh, the first few Fat, uh, Fast Furious movies were good, but then I just stopped watching them, honestly. Yeah. That just lost its identity, yeah. right? They really yeah. need to reboot it where it's like back to street racing, right? Yeah. True. So imagine like a series where like Dom's son, and I've given this some thought. If I was going to write a screenplay, Dom's son is a teenager years later he ends up going to street racing and his dad has to use his government connections to get him out of trouble but it's like then his son kind of discovers who his dad was and then like that's how it, it can go great from yeah, there with street racing but yeah. like when the fast movies 
kind of lost that nitrous and like you know the waving flags and like you know just like people like would spray paint can bottles in true thousands fashion it's like you lose that identity you take that away you just get like a worse version of mission impossible i think my best highlight from fast and furious was the tokyo drip I love Tokyo. The, yeah. the, that like whole the way they like portrayed him coming back, yeah. you know, like that whole thing. That was like pretty cool to see and how that movie came out before um, some of the other ones, right? So like they were pretty like they were thinking in advance because Tokyo like because it, it was like it was a spinoff, right? Like where mm-hmm. where that movie didn't have anything to do with kind of like the main characters, yeah. right? So people were people were like just left guessing on like what's really happening, like who is this person, like. What does he bring to like the? I'm the sure a lot of people entrance, years right? later got closure on that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Imagine in the theater, yeah, you're like needed. the past like ten years. I was led to believe, but it's all a lie now. <laughs> so that retcon was really nice. Yeah, like uh, as someone everybody Mission Impossible. I've seen like I'm a huge Tom Cruise fan. Like I've watched right. all these movies back about. Nice. Yeah. So. Yeah. Same with me. Same here. I think, yeah. yeah, I think that's a easy pick. I think Fast and Furious was to be cool in high school, like when I was in yeah, high school. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Up, until like, like, up until like Fast Five, Fast Lost six, the touch that was for it. sure. After that, it was just, but Mission Impossible has been consistently good, and it's like you know you, you never come out disappointed. Dis- people go for Tom like Cruise, yeah. who arguably is immortal and drinks the blood of like people. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. He just signs on. What? Don't know what the fuck's going on there? <laughs> but do you guys remember the time, like, or high school or middle school, they used like the uh, Mission Impossible, like the, oh, the, the title song the, yeah. to yeah. run into the yeah, hallways in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you'd have to pay yeah. a fine or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all yeah. The yeah. Random question: Have you guys ever watched the original Mission Impossible? Like, it's it's yeah. based on an like old school series, TV right? show that's from yeah. like the eighties. Yeah. That, my dad was obsessed with that, and he had like six seasons. And I grew up watching that old school shit. Yeah. If you guys like Mission Impossible, go back and watch some of this old crap. Like Damn. it's ridiculous. Got to see how these uh, how these old guys did it. You know. Dude, they how it's bad. done. Show Tom Cruise how it's done. <laughs> some <laughs> of those episodes, <laughs> you like <laughs> Tom Cruise ain't got <laughs> nothing <laughs> on his fingers. That's it. Oh man, that soundtrack. That's my dad's ringtone. Every I time he gets it. a new phone, I hate he makes it now because like. Up. Like, that was our time to run to our Rod, class. Yeah, like, it was like, you know. Like but, uh, Tom Cruise, complete with, like, hand chopping. <laughs> it's the same thing as, like, you know, putting your favorite song as your alarm. Like, you eventually start hating it. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, the same thing as that. But, um, okay, next one. Interstellar or Inception? Inception. Inception. Okay. Because it's so... It's more believable than Interstellar. And uh, I did write a very long opinion on that, how... Uh, Leo, I think, was still dreaming at the end when he saw his kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that um, totem started to wobble, but I like to think that he's still dreaming. Only because, um, you know, when you do, he, uh, I think he just went deeper into his dream when um, him and Sato mm-hmm. decided to, like, kind of off themselves again, right? But we know, like, when you die, right, you don't really come back, right? If you're in limbo, and you take yourself out. You only go into like super limbo, which is what I argue, right? But it's got a brilliant idea. And uh, the idea of how they do dreams within a dream was so well thought out and organized that you weren't lost through any of it. It made complete sense, right? They took you, it was just so immersive, right? You were taken with them every step of the way. It really did make you question whether or not like uh, they were still dreaming at the end or if they weren't. And it's obviously it's got like a good enough amount of action and like the cast was like equally good too. So they handle it in a way where it's like you're able to keep up with this and 
go into like this rabbit hole, right? Interstellar yeah. had that sense of awe, had that sense of space, had that sense of like uh, stakes, right? That trippy part where the guy was on Matthew McConaughey was on the planet for an hour and like he, um, yeah, it turns out like he was there for like decades, right? It was really depressing, but it's like Inception is just absolutely balls to the walls, just action yeah. and uh, going into like one thing after another. It's mm-hmm. just it's such an entertaining movie. I think my favorite part is at the ending. Oh, that ending is amazing for that movie. Well, they're all kicking through oh, the um, dude, yeah, layers. It's so and like good. a ship is like you know the water's like coming in the ship mm-hmm. and turns. Like it's like the oh the whole the car dropping at the end. The yeah, time aspect of it within that moment and dream and the time concept together. Oh, that tied in just like yeah, it was amazing. And yeah, Inception is now a household term. At Inception at the end Mid-reception. of everything. Yeah. Yeah, my answer is Interstellar. Um, I love Inception. I've watched it more than Interstellar. Yeah. But Interstellar, Interstellar sparked like this real interest in space travel for me, mm-hmm. where I started like getting down the rabbit hole of like astrophysics and black holes and stuff. And I find it a very good contained story where it doesn't have that ending with the totem where it's up to interpretation. It's not like ambiguous. You're not gonna like drive yourself crazy for the next decade. Exactly, and it does piece together so beautifully at the end if you follow it through all the way. Um, but has those elements that his newer movies like Tenet still do where it's like I still have to go back and watch this and piece this back to this back to this to fully mm-hmm. understand what happens yep, so that's my pick for Interstellar cool I would say Inception for me yeah. and I, I kind of like that when I first watched it I was, I was a kid I didn't understand most of it but whenever I go back yeah. I start to understand more yeah more that's, more that, that's me too I, it I just really makes more that. sense yeah. that that's the beauty of it yeah, yeah. Uh, more of a similar reason to Monic, like Inception for me as well. Yeah, same thing. I think at first I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> yeah. and the more and more you watch, yeah. and then you're like, oh. Honestly, the biggest thing is like, I'm just, every time I watch, I'm like, who, like, how did they write how, this? Yeah. There's so much depth yeah. into it. Like, every time you watch it, there's a new thing that you find. They yeah. probably had, like, a Venn diagram and then started connecting yeah, the dots. And the whole, like, storyboard just became, like, every madman's, like, dream. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna watch Inception today. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like it too. Um, all right, next one. Cool. So let's switch things up. Enough movies and shows. Uh, PC or console? Uh, PC. Yeah, PC. It's uh, universal architecture, backwards compatibility, because you can play all sorts of PC games from the beginning of time, right? Uh, the platform is pretty much like uh, you can plug in a controller, and that's. That thing is already an Xbox, right? Yeah. It's upgradable, it's future-proof, so that means if one part's broken, you can replace it yourself mm-hmm. and like just keep going up the tree from there, right? And uh, yeah, PC pushes a lot more uh, graphical power and uh, it's just uh, pretty much in a lot of ways. It's not limited by like performance, right? Because you're the one making your own performance. So you can make a game look as good and run as good as you want. And I like that kind of freedom with PC. Nice. Like the idea of a machine that can do your taxes, get you a job, get you uh, marriage, arguably even, and uh, you play video games at the same time, all in one console that changes your life, right? And uh, the console, it's really just like, its sole purpose is to play video games, but at the same time, it's kind of locked in performance-wise, right? Mm -hmm. That console needs to stand up the test of time for 10 years, right? That's what we call a console life cycle in our game magazine terms. So like the PS5, right? It's the latest and greatest right now, but you won't be saying that in the next 10 years. Yeah. And that thing will just like uh, keep, uh, you know, it'll just have to keep the, like keep up with a lot of the games that want to be running better and faster, which is why some games like Cyberpunk 
ran amazing on the PC while it had such a hard time on consoles that where yeah. most people were playing. So Cyberpunk, I think, was a great game because it worked for me on computer. So that's more reason that I get a computer as well. By so. the way, the Sony PS5 shortage is now yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, I it's a great time to be a, be a PS5 fan and not just when it was first like announced like what was it already two years ago Yeah. yeah. so I remember a time when like getting a PS5 was like the most clutch thing you could do but now the idea it's just walking into a store and picking one up has been something that people have been yeah. doing a long time for if anything this is where the console lifestyle starts right because if you're trying to appeal to a mass a mass wide audience right and you want to sell ps5s right and like you, you you can't really sell any for two years right then like you know you, that means like you're gonna have to keep that thing going for a lot longer before you introduce the ps6 because mm -hmm. it was kind of set back right yeah. like you want everyone to experience the next gen thing right but if only like the, a select number of people can do it right? it's like two years in and you're now the shortage is over it's like now sony is kind of like Okay, now we're gonna introduce the PS5 for real this time because now everyone can get their hands on one. Mm. Okay. My answer is console. Uh, I grew up on consoles. I love consoles. Um, as, my, as, my, as much as you can do with a PC, I hate troubleshooting games. I just want to fucking press a button, play a game, and I want to play a game like this. You know? I don't want to <laughs> sit at a computer and yeah. be yeah, focused and alerts. Especially as I work a desk job, like the idea of sitting in my chair longer to play a game, no, out consoles for life. I know your answer. <laughs> I've done both. I used to love console, but I think it would be PC, PC for me yeah. now. I just think you have so many more options. You can get an emulator on PC if you want to play yeah. old games. Yeah. And just like Clement said, you can play every game that's come out on yeah. PC. You're a big PC guy now. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, uh, for sure. Yeah, and to kind of blow your mind a little bit, right? Um, if you build a PC and you plug an Xbox controller into it, right? Mm -hmm. Right. That's pretty much an Xbox Series X. Yeah, because yeah. the Game Pass, everything's on there. Exactly. <laughs> so that's already um, for me. Like I just grew up like playing on console yeah. as well. So like, been, I've just always been on console. So yeah, console for me. I have both, but honestly, I gotta say console just because you know, like nowadays, like there's certain games that are cross gen, and then there's certain that are like only console to console, and like not that many people play like sport console uh, PC games, like. Like not it's it's uncommon for people to buy like two K on PC, right? Yeah. Usually it's on console, so um, yeah, I, I, I like my console because it's like kind of segregated. You know, your PC is kind of I usually do it for like productive work and then just have like games on my console because storage you gotta take into consideration now, like because of all these graphics and everything, like it, like with all these SSDs and whatnot, like games take up massive amount of storage right? yeah whereas like if you have a console just dedicated for like gaming like it can, you kind of yeah you don't space. really have that bloat yeah. which is why like at least in my pc right i like to have separate drives there's the one for windows there's the one for like work and then there's one for games oh, and it's okay. like and you kind of do that right that's yeah. something you can do that you can't really do with like ps5 so no you gotta buy where are you i'll say console because like i've never been that big of a gamer anyway so like it's more of a casual thing so just like Anil said it's easy to just kind of do that I find people that are really into gaming they like they prefer PC yeah, over console so um, and like I guess I never had this is weird I just realized this as we're talking about this I've never had a PC I've always had like laptops mm, okay. and like a console Ooh. I don't know why I know you're a big PC because I saw you building one right um, I was yes, going to ask you about yeah. that so in my spare time, right, I like to take apart things and put them back together because I'm weird like that. So, you know, PC was a great thing. And when you 
the PC, I like PCs over consoles is because you have more attachment, right? You're literally building, you're creating this thing that can right. take care of you. It, yeah. Like, if, if anything, you're building something of an investment for yourself, mm-hmm. right? So, um, yeah, the PCs are kind of like consoles that, that take care of you. Like I said, it does your taxes, gets you jobs, like it can do a little bit of everything too. Yeah, okay, last one, okay. Uh, Xbox or PS5 or Nintendo? Hmm. PlayStation. Sorry. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. I'd say PlayStation. Yeah. Yeah. Just their exclusives kind of dominate the market, and they got a really good hand for storytelling, you know, and making sure everything's all like polished. Yeah. So I'm on they the set themselves page. apart. I mean, PlayStation is the pinnacle for first-person software. No. Third-person narrative gaming. Where you you know play as a character, you watch a whole story go all the way through. You learn so much, you get an emotional attachment to the games. And the characters over the years. Yeah, they become more and more iconic. You know, now we just need a PlayStation brawler like the old school brawl, um, All Stars. Bring it all back together. Exactly. I want to beat people up as Kratos again. What about you? Uh, for what was Xbox, Sony, or like PlayStation? Or PlayStation, Xbox, or Nintendo. PlayStation. I I. I would say PlayStation just because God of War is exclusive on it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, PlayStation for me as well. It's like all my friends had this PlayStation and back then it was like more of like I can just only play with my friends like I just got into uh, PlayStation so I just kept up with that. Never I smell a sweep yeah. coming. So, so I'm going to be a little bit different. Oh. I'm going to say Nintendo. Oh wow. Because um, so my first console like I had a choice right it was either the PS2 or the Xbox but I chose Game Boy. Mm. And the reason behind that was portability. Yeah. Because, like, what if my parents are watching the TV? Like, yeah. I still want to play. Or what if we're going somewhere? I still want to play, right? So I was like, I was, that's my only concern, right? Um, like, I, I, I should be able to play whenever I want, you know? You've like, probably been waiting for a console so, like the so, Switch. So, um, so my first was actually the Game Boy. I ended up getting, like, Pokemon and, like, you know, FIFA and all that, like, playing on, like, the small, like, Game Boy Advance. Um, and then I even got like the Nintendo Wii that came out. Like that nice. was also like mm-hmm. a, a, like an era as well. I remember that. Um, I never got the Switch, unfortunately, but um, but it was nice. But now, obviously, like you know, as times change, graphics get better. Blah 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 blah. I'm a huge Sony guy as well. Um, but it all started with Nintendo, so I gotta give credit where it's due. All right, um, PlayStation for me as well. I just find that um, I remember in high school, like money being like the subscription for Xbox you have to pay money to like play online and stuff like that that was like the game like that was like yeah. the decider for me okay can I go with PlayStation I remember I had a PS4 I believe we yeah, got three, uh, three. PS3 yeah, three and then PS4 and then a PS5 now so yeah PlayStation you grew up with the generations right yeah. I'm biased because like I played like you know PS2 PS3 PS4 just like everyone else yeah. right but it's those exclusives that like go into the next console you grow up with these characters yeah. that you love yeah. right so Ratchet and Clank huge bias I saw him go from pixelated to like looking like he's from a Pixar movie so that really says a lot about the attachment mm-hmm. yeah going more into gaming I have a a question that might be hard for you to answer it might be easy what are your top five games of all time hmm so I have to write this down actually because <laughs> I've played hundreds of games have not beat hundreds of games and uh actually still have a soft spot so i think it's all in the comfort classics right like you'll know what your some people say i don't know what my favorite games are right but you kind of just look at the ones that you would like 
play as filler, like your okay. comfort classics, right? right? We all have our comfort foods, our comfort movies that we can rewatch, right? And games. So I do have more than five. Though. So first one is uh, has to be the Uncharted series. Oh, I love that. Okay, like if there was one series that I had to stick with for like the rest of my life. It can be the Uncharted series because it's like a third-person action adventure, right? So it's already got the fundamentals of gaming right there. It's got shooting, it's got combat, exploration, and a really witty plot. So I feel like I adopted a lot of like my like my one-liners and quips from Nathan Drake, and he's such a relatable guy, right? So you know, seeing him kind of go from like that like womanizing explorer to like an actual like responsible treasure hunter right over the years right it's right. like it's cool to see right and i'm a big fan of like indiana jones and the idea of like uh, going into temples right and like getting a little bit of action in there right so you know i like uh, going over his shoulder and following him through that like in uncharted one two three four and you're braving all the elements together so you're pretty much right. traveling the world with them and i will say like it's less for me it's less about like the shooting and the dialogue and a lot of the action's great right but like climbing a mountain and then like you know, just staring at the view of like a jungle or rainforest or like on top of like the Tibetan mountains or Himalayas. Like, it's like, dude, it's like escapism, pure escapism. So that's the Uncharted series for me. One of my top five. Resident Evil 2 Remake is a game I will play like 10 times and then never get bored of it. Like, I can beat in one sitting and mm-hmm. I'm like uh, it's one of those games I always turn back to right because um it was my gateway into one of my gateways into survival horror okay because I kind of thought okay like at first like uh you know I didn't like to be scared by games but this game had a way of like making it fun to be scared mm-hmm. at the same time so I like the idea of like um it's a zombie game right um Resident Evil 2 remake but it's also like um Resident Evil 2 is considered one of the greatest like survival horror games ever created when it came out on like the playstation and that was because like um you know it was your traditional zombie game but at the same time it had so many like fun layers thrills and action so um the remake right was my way of playing resident evil 2 for the first time never played the original resident evil 2 so shame on me but the remake was my gateway so it was like a third person they turned it from like this like isometric like old-fashioned game where you walk around find a room solve a puzzle kills on right. right and on to the next room to this like third person game where like it is dark shady you never know if like a zombie's gonna come up and follow you and bite you from behind or like you never know what kind of lurks in every corner so that's a great game and you can beat it in like four hours and like there's different campaigns but like a they serve it in like bite-sized pieces and it just looks right. like a wonderful game so like uh, it's a great game I love to go back to if I want to get scared mm-hmm. and uh, you know make my trigger finger happy too same thing with Dead Space 2 which is again one of my favorite games of all time it's a survival horror game you know you're on like uh, Jupiter and there's like all these like alien zombies trying to kill you right so yeah. uh, but the fact that like you know there's no backtracking there's no objectives you pretty much just go like it's a linear game where like you just keep moving forward you shoot some more zombies and you keep going but the gameplay the way they do it is just so digestible and uh, I just love the fact that like it's a survival horror game where like you have no heads up display you really have to depend on like your resources to survive and also uh, there's that science fiction setting too so it's kind of like Resident Evil 
too in a lot of ways, but like, you know, taking the space, and it is violent. Some of the worst, like, goriest, most violent games I've ever played because, like, the death animations are just uh, up there too. Lego Star Wars, again, another comfort of mine, all right? One of my favorite games because not only do I get to live through a lot of the movies that I wanted to, right? But mm-hmm. I've always imagined, you know, what it, what's it like, like throwing Darth Vader into like episode three or like, what's it like getting to play through the movies in the way yeah. that I want it? So it's got a way of making you like play through all the movies if you want, right? But then you can always go back into those levels, right? Those different sections of your favorite scenes from the movie and play it your own way, right? So you can bring in different characters, you know, and um, you can relive through those moments. So it's a huge, when it came out on the PS2, I, I was playing the living crap out of that. I, that, like, CD is abused into oblivion. Like, that, you don't recognize, like, any of the logos on the CD anyway. That's how much I used it. Mm-hmm. And because, like, that was the first time, real time, I was able to just, like, play through the movies and do it myself, you mm-hmm. know? So uh, I, I would just spend hours getting into lightsaber fights and replaying the same, like, fight scenes over again. So highly replayable in short bursts. So it's got a soft spot in my heart. Skywalker Saga's kind of maximized all that. So I'm a big, big fan. Um, GoldenEye 007 on the Nintendo 64. It's a more acquired one, but it is one of my favorite shooters of all time. Now this is probably the greatest like movie tie-in adaptation of a James Bond game, but it's also a shooter where like, um, you know, based on like the uh, level design, right? It's so addicting in where you can just gun down legions of like enemies, right? And like the sound design and like everything was just well put together. You're it's an old-fashioned game where like you're still going through corridors and you're shooting like yeah. you know polygon <laughs> type enemies, right? Yeah. But um, you really don't do the work in which you aim down the sights and you fire, right? No, everything's kind of like, like there's a pioneered feature where it has auto aim. So like, you know, I could just like turn my brain off after a long day of work, boot up GoldenEye on the N64, walk through corridors and just keep holding the trigger and like, uh, you know, just like getting a like really yeah, fun yeah. and engaging firefight. So it's just, uh, it's highly replayable and it's just, uh, yeah, if you love James Bond and you want to just play a video game, right? Nice. Golden Eye 64, waste no time. And the multiplayer, don't even get me started with that. Uh, friendships will break over over that mode. <laughs> yeah. Like kind of like Halo Combat of Life back in the day. Yeah. yeah. Damn, good old times. Okay, last segment. This is going to be quick, okay? Um, review time. I know there's these two new movies that came out. For this segment, just basically out of five, what would you give it? Also, give me three things why you are giving that rating, okay? First, Avatar. Yeah, sure. Uh, Avatar The Way of Water, I would give that an 8 out of 10. First off, the production value, the 3D quality is absolutely a benchmark for cinema. And um, it really is like uh, reflecting the scale of the first Avatar movie in 2009. That movie literally sold 3D TVs alone, right? So it was one of the best uh, IMAX 3D movies I have seen in a while, obviously, because James Cameron managed to keep that up. The writing was great. The way they approached the sequels was great. I'm not going to spoil anything, but they really tied everything nicely. So you could watch the first one, ease in the second one. There's a lot more action as well. And it was very stressful, especially near the climax too, because you're attached to all these characters that you haven't seen in a long time, but any one of them could go. So there's stakes in there. There's mm-hmm. awe-inspiring. Pandora is absolutely beautiful. They show you a new side of it. So oh, wow. I like the immersion part of that, right? So that's an eight out of 10 for me. Okay. I'm really excited for that one. It's mm-hmm. been like yeah. ages, 10 years now? I don't know. It's been... I the first one came out 2009. 
Really excited for this one, yeah. And then okay, the next one, Glass Onion. Glass Onion. Murder ten out of ten, man. Ten out of ten. Five out of five. Only because the it is got such chaotic writing. It is clever the way they do the who done it thing because you really are on your toes thinking like, uh, you know, like who's the culprit, who's going to be, you know, off the board next, Mm -hmm. and uh, the way they. Uh, tie all those motivations in a really yeah. stupid way at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of just uh, gives you a lot of plot twists. Daniel Craig is an absolutely a national treasure, right? So it was cool to get to know more about like Benoit Blanc and then all these like eccentric characters that yeah. are just like pulling you into their own like version of stupidity. Right. So it's hard. To, it's fun to see all these like characters like uh, interact with each other, right? Do you think it's better than the first one? Or oh, I think um, it's better than the first one. Okay. Yeah. And like the the humor is just so intelligently written. Yeah. It, the way they factor it in, they call some, uh, they yeah they call some things from like the pandemic as well, and then they uh, tie it all together through like these little yeah. clues that you might think are uh-huh. really irrelevant, right? But they come off as like really stupid deal breakers at the oh, end sure. when you get to the bottom of things. So it's such a great, great, uh, nice. well made mystery who done it. The like the genre of like the modern whodunit mystery is kind of back with Glass Onion, so that's yeah. a 10 out of 10. Right. You'll have a lot of fun watching it. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for that. And thank you for coming today. Like with this, do you want to plug in anything? I know you do also on Twitch, so you want to plug in anything? <laughs> this is your time. Uh, no, not really. All I can okay. say is just um, stay informed. All right. right. <laughs> Keep reading. And uh, yeah, no, um, there's one thing I'll leave you with. It's that, uh, you know, just keep going at it whatever you're doing that's about it well cheers to a really good episode guys this This is empty empty yeah cheers guys (laughs) cheers cheers